Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by National Roper Supply. NRS has been providing quality Western wear and horse tack since 1989, and they are proud to be the number one Western store in the USA. From functional and fashionable Western wear and horse tack to essential livestock and horse supplies, NRS carries the products you need at prices you can afford. NRS is a one-stop shop for all things Western. NRS also carries our new line of modern cowboy brand apparel, caps, t-shirts, and hoodies. And for our listeners, use your special discount code MODERNCOWBOY at checkout for 10% off your entire purchase. And remember, Modern Cowboy is the brand for the cowboy in all of us. Today's episode is also brought to you by G-Site Solutions. G-Site Solutions is the number one dry fire laser training system. With the best variety of targets from tactical to game strategy, you download and activate the free app to your iPhone or Android. The Elms Plus laser cartridge is the only laser cartridge in the world with replaceable rubber strike pads. This allows you unlimited shots. You can work on your trigger press, your sight picture, your grip, your stance, and your breathing, all in the comfort of your own home while tracking how your accuracy improves. Look, repetition is the mother of skill. And as a former hunter education instructor and certified NRA pistol and range safety officer, I know the importance of consistent training to stay proficient and safe. G-Site Solutions Dry Fire Laser Training System does just that without going to the range and using up expensive ammunition. Head over to g-site.com and check out all their available products. And tell them Dan at the Modern Cowboy Podcast sent you. podcast I, i'm you know i always say i'm super excited to have my guests on today and, and I'm, <laughs> I'm not only am i excited though but i'm really honored to have these guys on we've actually been chatting here for for quite a while uh prior <laughs> to press and record uh, i have uh, terry mcbride and, and ray herndon on uh the, billy the other member of the band is having technical difficulties and hasn't been able to get on <laughs> but uh that being said uh you know their group is mcbride and the ride these guys uh well, they were huge in the early 90s. I mean, huge stars. And, and the, one of the things that I really remember about their music that has just stuck with me over the years, and a lot of people will know this, even if you know you weren't born in the 90s, uh, you've seen the movie Eight Seconds, and uh, their song No More Crying is featured in that song, in that movie. And it, it just, 
I mean, what an honor that was, because that was such a great movie and such a, uh, you know, a, just a touching story. But anyway, that being said, I'm going to I'm going to work through this without trying to be too starstruck. But uh, <laughs> Terry and Ray, welcome to the Modern Cowboy podcast. Thank you. We're glad to be here. Hey, yeah, we, thank, we got, thank we, you, Dan. Yeah, absolutely. But well, we just got Billy on. So we're going to we're going to. Oh, OK, we're going to admit him right now. So he's coming on. Oh, we we covered a lot of topics off air. I hope we still have something interesting to say here, Dan. We'll we'll, we'll find out in a minute for sure. Yo, we we absolutely will. Hey, eight seconds is that was a highlight in our career for sure. We really wanted to be in that movie. We were all about it, and uh, we got to have the song from the soundtrack and. Uh, John Anderson cut our song "Burning Up the Road." That's yeah. in the movie as well. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Big thrill for that as well. And then we got to go up here. I, we, I tell people all the time, if you've ever seen us, we're in the movie eight seconds for about six seconds. Right. You know, but but it was a thrilling ride there, to say the least. No pun intended. But hallelujah. <laughs> Billy, welcome to the podcast. I, can I can I talk like a cowboy here? Yes, you can talk whatever you want. Exactly. All right. Goodness <laughs> sake. We're live and recording, Billy. I'm sorry. That's okay. I'm sorry. I just, that's, this, that's a, this technology thing, man, oh, man, I thought I had it together. Boy, oh, boy. That's you okay. I'm the oldest guy in the band, so it's okay. <laughs> My podcast is listed as, as explicit, so those words are fine on here. Don't worry I'm about sorry. it. I'm sorry. All right, Dan. No, no, no. Hey, nice to meet you, Billy. Nice to meet you as well. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, hey, let's, uh, you know, when you think about music, uh, you know, and I just think back, especially the early 90s, I mean, music, country music really kind of went through a transition there. Uh, you know, like your guys' music to me was, it's very, it was very traditional then, but still it was, it, it had a new spin on it. And that's kind of the way I look at it, the way I thought about it back then. Um, the early 90s was a very, uh, uh, exciting time, a great time, but like you think back, songs remind you of certain things you went through, certain times, uh, you know. And I mean, music is 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 really it's life. I mean, I talk about that, you know, on the podcast with other artists too, and and uh, it's it's just so important. I think everybody kind of has the same, you know, same feelings about it. But uh, when I think back to your guys' songs, uh, there was there's a time in my life like '93, '94 was a not a good time in my life. But you know, your music was there and you know you can think back and and you you look to those songs to for comfort and for you know uh just uh to feel better you know and <laughs> and 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 i think that that's one of the really really important things about music and and you know so you guys were you know i mean huge stars in the in the 90s <laughs> you were and uh so but now earlier we were talking you said you guys are trying to make a comeback well did you really did you really go anywhere? Did you guys retire for a while? Is that what you did or we we all had separate things that, that we went to. Terry, of course, went to Brooks and Dunn. Right. As he's, he's talked about. I don't know whether you talked to Ray or not about his involvement with Lyle Lovett before and after he went back and joined that. And I was also playing with Vince Gill. And I went back to Vince Gill and we just just I don't think we ever grew really apart. The songs and the and the harmonies and everything we found that were right there. They hadn't gone away. Right. They're and, back there again. All the ingredients are there. Yeah. And that's something too that really stands out in your songs is your guys' harmonies. They're they're mm -hmm. just uh, they're amazing, you know. That's the stamp. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Well, uh, those songs, like you say, Dan, it's funny you you say how they connect and you know, I think that's 
I think that's what you you're talking about the '90s, especially, and and prior to that, you know, the older classic country music. Those songs, there's certain classics that stick out to all of us, right? And in the '90s, I think guys your age, um, and you know, in our age even. Um, I'm assuming we're probably older than you. <laughs> no, no, you, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming we're probably about the same age, and we'll talk. We'll, and we'll talk about that with uh, Marlboro and Avon too. But yes. we, just played, <laughs> we just played a very successful ranchers ranch last week up in Texas, and he said the same thing. He said, "You know what, guys?" And he's married now. Matter of fact, we played his anniversary, but he told he told us. He said, "You know what, you guys? That music helped me through a bad time in my life. A bad divorce." Yeah. And he was just gushing over yeah. that, you know? And here's this guy, very successful guy, offered us to use his airplanes if we needed. He has two airplanes. <laughs> and, but I, you know, that's neat. And, you know, Terry and he'd written a lot of great songs. And, uh, you know, that's the nucleus, the song. Yeah. And we were able to all together come together in some sort of synergy through Tony Brown. And he gave us that vehicle to, uh, as a record label to get, you know, who we were, which we didn't know who we were until we met the first <laughs> time and realized we have to have these harmonies. But, you know, Terry also had some great songs that went along with that. And so we all, it just worked, uh, you know, synergistically. I don't know how else to say it, but uh, and we're back <laughs> doing it again in the same way, kind of. So it's cool. Yeah. So yeah. When, did, when did you guys decide to get the band back together, so to speak? Oh. Well, well, we talked about it a couple times, you know, we, we tried this back in like 2001. I think we cut a really cool record back then called Amarillo Sky that later went on to be a big hit for Jason Aldean. But we sort of helped arrange and kind of rewrote that song, even though we didn't, we, we, requ we requested it be tweaked for us a little bit. It turned out to be just fantastic song, you know, we knew it was. And then, so we've always kind of been in touch and this time around, it was a couple years ago, you know, kind of around uh, the COVID uh, period. So we played a few shows that were very successful. And then we that we were down for about a year, you know, of figuring out what to do. And so during that time, we thought about recording some new music, you know, and that became sort of the focus as well as touring. And at that time, we weren't doing as much touring. Now we're catching up and, and doing a lot of cool stuff. But, uh, you know, it's been great. And, you know, Dan, getting back to your early, earlier comments about the 90s, we just kind of rode that wave, you know, the nineties were just, it took off and we were, we held on as best we could and hung in there and did what we could, but it was our generation's version of that classic country that we grew up on. That's all it really was. It right. was those classic for me, especially as a songwriter and a singer. I mean, I cut my teeth on every classic, you know, George Jones and Haggard, but also Gary Stewart and mm -hmm. uh, Farron Young and Ray Price, everything you could two step to, we were singing and playing. And then when you started trying to create your own music, I, as a writer back in those days, I was just pulling from those classic country snippets of titles and ideas and subject matter that I loved, you know, back in the day. And then we kind of put our little spin on it, which was a little more contemporary for the 90s, but it gave the, that classic country a little bit of a twist, you know, and that's all everybody was trying to do. It just happened to be so many wonderful artists emerging at the same time, you know, that... Right. 90s they were everywhere and a lot of them are still around because of that their their you know artistry and and that music that held and has held up so well yeah and our and our sort of the four-piece band kind of vibe that we did on our first record at burning up the road record i think that 
somehow or another, maybe coming out of some of that more produced sound that was that was happening on the radio at that point. That's why I think we stuck out the songs, the harmonies, the sort of raw, more raw production of a four piece band that the guys actually play on their, their own records kind of stuff. When a lot of the bands and stuff of the day were they weren't even singing on some of those bands that were vocal bands weren't even really the band that were singing on the records. You know, right. It was like studio guys singing and then the band was this band or another and it was, you know, not them. But we were all, you know, singing and playing on those records. And that's what we did again on this latest stuff is we we sort sort of tried to recreate that more four piece band sound instead of some big barrage of sound, you know. Right. And most people when they see us live they they know they go my gosh man you guys play and sing at the same time you can actually do that i mean really it's it's in the it's, same it's a key, total shock that's too yeah the same it is, key, that, that's good. the next thing they ask is that's that right. the same key you're not yeah. the monkeys you're not yeah. the monkeys just lip thinking you know so. and that's what we've all always done we've all played in bands growing up and i mean that's sort of the uniqueness of this band like terry was saying i mean me the same here in Arizona. I, gosh, played in many bands and really great bands and playing all those great hits of the, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, you name it. Matter yeah. of fact, you know, I've probably played some of those songs more than the actual artist ever played them themselves. <laughs> right. But from Haggard to you name it. But we've all, and Billy coming from a different perspective from L.A., you know, through his upbringing musically, working with Ricky Nelson and and guys out in L.A. and then coming to Nashville and working with Amy Lou Harris and then Vince Gill and that level of expertise that you have to to have to play with somebody like Vince yeah. or sing with somebody like Vince. I mean, you know, and Billy's a great singer on his own as well. But I mean, it's just th those elements that the three of us especially had together just kind of came together. And also all of our sort of rock and roll influences too. Right. We all, yes. I, I would say Terry and I mo more so probably than Billy listened to more traditional country music. Right. On, That's and true. Billy became, you know, more into it as, as he <laughs> gravitated towards Nashville, but, but he brings a rock and roll element to his playing, <laughs> and his, his attitude. And, and we all kind of do that. So that also went to that little edgier sound that. So I'll never forget when, when I heard Terry's, demos that that tony brown sent me i could go i was thinking that's a little stevie ray vaughn like he had the song called ain't, ain't no big deal right. ain't no big deal i went wow that's a really cool different sounding record and this guy's he's making stuff that's different out of it you know and then they they turned me on to they said check this guy stevie ray vaughn out and i had heard him but i had heard him with david Bowie. i didn't know he was his own deal you know right and oh my gosh i was like this is awesome you know yeah, yeah. he really rocked and in a, in a twangy greasy texas way he rocked his ass off so yeah that was no yeah doubt. i was i was very influenced by that and then i just happened to be taken in by two writers a husband and wife team that were writing songs for stevie ray vaughn Oh, of all man. things crossfire the big sort of hit that stevie had and then other tunes and the fabulous thunderbirds and uh so i was influenced heavily by that got to tour with stevie but also was in the band with delbert mcclinton very r&b you know the rocking sort of thing and as a kid the outlaw movement in austin had exploded i was in high school 
And we were obsessed with everything Viva Terlingua, that Jerry Jeff album, you know, Rusty Weir, Doug Song, Gary Peanut, Ray Wiley Hubbard. You know, oh, we yeah. just we we could drive, I could get in my Chevelle and be in Austin in less than an hour back then. And I could see any one of those heroes live on stage, man. It was it was mind blowing. And then I'd go back and you know, be at football the next morning telling everybody how cool it was. And, you know, it was it was amazing time in Austin back then. And of course, Willie was leading the charge for all of that. My hero of all time was Willie. And, you know, but it went on and on. These Texas guys from Rodney Crowell to Billy Joe Shaver to there were so many characters and also gifted Guy Clark, these writers, you know, that were I'd get that Jerry Jeff album and go, who is this guy, Guy Clark, man? He's writing these songs. I love these songs. You know, he's like writing a song like I would like to write. And I had no idea who he was because this was early. He wasn't a household name back then. He is among songwriters. But back right. then he was just getting started, too. But it was a great wave of influence for me, not only the classic country stuff that I dearly love, but this sort of homegrown songwriters coming out of Austin. It was really intriguing to me. Then the way they were writing was different from everything that was coming out of Nashville, too. I could relate to it more so in a lot of ways because it was a cultural type thing. You know, it was a, it was a, a Texas thing in a lot of ways, the language, some of it, but uh, a lot of influences. We all have been fortunate to have played with a lot of great people. And when we came together, we thought we're badass. We're, everybody's going, we're going to blow everybody away with how great we are musicianship. You know, <laughs> no, nobody can, everybody can play, you know, something, but our harmony and the blend that we had was so uh, different and it became our calling card. And yeah. Everybody wanted to talk about it. Radio, that's what they loved about it. And, uh, and after that, we started trying to find songs that would complement that, you know, and focus. And we're still doing that with this new EP. We're still looking for those songs that uh, we wanted to record that could spotlight that harmony and feature it and make it another big, another dimension to the four-piece band. All of a sudden, we're a seven-piece band. When you add three-part harmony on top of a four-piece band, it just got a lot bigger, you know? Right. And well, so we use that to our advantage. Terry, Terry played me a demo of that song Marlboro's in Avon one day <clears throat> I was staying at his little place and we were there doing something in Nashville and he said man check this song out tell me what you think and so he put it on it was a great demo done by a guy there in Nashville that we all know Steve Mandel mm -hmm. and uh, I listened to it and as soon as it as soon as it you know I listened to the thing and as soon as it got to the hook line I was like absolutely that sounds like a right in the right hit for sure so we you know and then Billy heard it and agreed and you know, that song yeah. is, is just one of those that lent itself very well to the band. And that kind of got us excited to get back in there sooner than later. Yeah. And, yeah. and so, you know, it's interesting because we were talking earlier about how songs, you know, remind us of certain times in our lives and so on and so forth. But you listen to that song and this is I'm going to go ahead and age myself now. I mean, I remember when Walter Cronkite was on TV. I remember the Vietnam War, <laughs> they, they, you know, all those things. And I yeah. remember... I remember Wild Country Cologne from Avon as well, and Marlboro Reds, because I, I started smoking them when I was 13. Yeah, man. So, so you know, uh, yes. there's, there's a lot of a lot of things in that song that really, you know, hit home for me, uh, because yeah. I'm from that, and, and you talk about 70s in high school. That's when I was in high school. I mean, I graduated in yeah. 76, you know, so. Uh, you, all are, you are older than me. Yeah. I, I, 
Probably older than all of you. Don't let him give you any flack. Don't let him give you any flack. He's the youngster. Okay. He's still got he's still got stuff to learn. It's all right. All right. Well, Dan, you were talking about how music can take you back. And of course, that song can remind you. But also when we start talking about what are we going to record, something that we can relate to or something that gets us a connection in order to be passionate enough about it to go in the studio and record it. You know, I mean, we're searching for those types of songs. That song just lent itself to, wow, I can connect. I can relate and I can uh, I can sing that and believe it, you know. Right. And uh, the guy, this guy I never met, sent it to me on through Facebook. Hey, I'm Mark Harris. I live down here. He's like a he he is a uh, farm bureau type guy. Right. Works five, five state area kind of thing. And he came to Nashville for several years, wrote with a lot of people, you know, never really had that big success, moved on back. Uh, you know, he graduated college like Angelo State and. Then he went back and got a good job, you know, but he's still writing and said, man, this is like a McBride and the Ride song. Just listen to it. And I had it for a minute. I saw that title. I went, oh, wow. What could that possibly be? But what a cool title, you know? Yeah. And uh, his brother-in-law had that title. They walked into a country concert. It was an older crowd. <clears throat> his brother had a couple cocktails. He went, man, this is a Marlboro's and Avon crowd. <laughs> it's an older Wow. <laughs> but he wrote that down and went, ding. And then he sent it to me. And I, I loved it. I He let me write a couple little lines just so I could make it even more relatable and maybe a little more personal. Right. Just a couple of things I thought I could help. We added a bridge that really lifted that last one more big punch before the last chorus. Dramatic effect where we hold out the note. It just that really helped and worked out great. But it was one of those songs you hope to kind of find and a song that comes along instead of you know, pandering or writing about us hitting on chicks and a honky tonk. Oh my God, <laughs> right. we're, we're, we're 60 years old. Not that we still can't believe we could hit on a chick and a honky tonk, right. but you know, we, we've done all that. We've right. sung all that. We, we, we wanted to find something that was relatable today. And I think it's a generational, yeah, the seventies kids get it, but I think it's more so than that. It's about, you know, looking back, you couldn't, I couldn't wait to get up and move on. Then when you move on years later, you start to reflect and go, wow, I miss those people. I couldn't wait to move on to what I'd give for a few more minutes to hang on to, to those memories and have those people around. That's how the song hits me so strong. You know, it's like you get out of, you get into high school, you gain your independence. Mom and dad aren't as important as they were. You've got your car, you got your truck, you got your freedom. And then you move on from there, you know, but boy, as you get older, you start to look back. My kids, you know, I tell them a lot about, they're curious about the seventies, my youngest, especially, but, and we tell them they've missed out on all the good stuff, you know, secondhand <laughs> smoke and right. you know, all that two channels. Yeah. We talk about that before the song, but it's true, you know, right. you know, your mom's right arm was the only seatbelt you had back then, you know, it's yeah. like you keep him hitting the dashboard. That was it, you know, yeah. and, and and they find that so interesting. And I find it interesting, too, that it's been so long ago. <laughs> you yeah. know, now it's shocking. But, boy, when a song like that can take you back, that's what music is all about. And you said it early on, Dad. They get those songs, and it's this is a song that can just remind you of those times. And that's always a, a cool and powerful moment, you know. Kind of yeah. long, Which, you kind of long for those those times again, you know. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I, it, was, it, it was a very... I was thinking about what you said and how you grew in the and even though it was hard for you in 93 and 94. Right. When I when I moved to Nashville in 87, 
it was so fertile and so diverse. What was coming in in the in the country genre was I, I couldn't believe it. It was everything from Lyle Lovett to Merle. I was just getting turned on to Vince Gill and Ricky Skaggs. Right. I didn't even know Amy Lou Harris. Didn't know anything about that. <laughs> and then we had I moved here and I got a gig with a short gig with Foster and Lloyd. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Then I was hearing Garth Brooks. And, uh, you know, you got you had uh, uh, Keith Whitley. Oh, I mean, I all Keith of Whitley, it, yeah. Steve Earle. Yeah. All of these people, I couldn't believe the well of talent all coming to the Nashville area. And then, like Terry said, it took it took finding out about Texas and that whole well of yeah. people. So, yeah. so you, you know, looking back to when you guys first started, you know, late 80s uh, in, you know, building a music career. And obviously you guys had you know great success at it. What differences are you seeing today? I mean, I know I, I know there's a lot of them that are that are kind of obvious, but looking at it now, uh, you know, in, in you know relaunching your uh, you know your new song and, and a new tour and everything, uh, what are the what are the biggest differences you see? And, and back then, you know, you had no idea that you were going to be successful until you got a little bit of success, I'm sure. <laughs> but um, what's the biggest difference you you see from then to now? Wow. Mm. I, I would say that it's certainly the music itself. Um, you know, I think I think most all of us on this podcast right now will agree that the music, a big part of it, doesn't really give you much. It, at least for me, it doesn't do a lot for me emotionally, whether it be the lyric or the melodies. So, to hear something that has that again, I think people are going, especially people that. Don't really know about that. Maybe the maybe some younger people that didn't get to grow up with some of these great songs, and maybe they're ready for that melodic journey. You know, the storyline to be a little more deep than just you know the back road party kind of lyric that's been going on for the last fifteen years, right? Yeah. Well, the music, plus, the radio business has changed completely, so that's a whole different deal. Right. I, fans. Fans will let you know we've experienced that on the road with this particular song. You know, it gets the response that our hits do from 30 years ago. So that was encouraging early on, you know, just knowing we had a song that was connected. We saw that in the 90s, Sacred Ground. We played it before, oh, yeah. it, ever went to, before it ever went to radio. And boy, that crowd would react to that song because they were so into the music and they were hanging on every word, man. And by the time we finished it, wow, they would just erupt. And we went, man, I think we're on the right track here with this particular song we had we had other songs that had that but what's so different now for us you know back in the back in the day you hope to have a hit on radio and an occasional television appearance maybe you know the nashville network nashville now those sorts of things and other than that you just kind of went door to door you know you went city to city touring now you can get on here we can we have an entire pr team that we work TikTok, instagram facebook you know, we have a little bit of everything for everyone, depending on where you want to find it. And then there's the whole, you know, digital music platforms, whether you work in Spotify or Pandora or Apple Music, you know, what are you going to, how are, how are those going to work for you? And then there's opportunities on all of that, you know? Right. If you're doing something interesting, if the music is good, then slowly or quickly, sometimes your audience starts to grow because of it, you know? And uh, we're just, we sprinkle in what we do is a little bit of the 90s on socials. We remind people what we used to do. 
and then we present a few modern type of things to show you what we're up to. And if people find that interesting, that's great because that's just all we're doing. You know, right? right. No, <laughs> this right. is what we do. This is who we are. I hope you still like it, or I hope you like it if you hadn't ever heard of us. You know, he made that record Amarillo Sky we were talking about in two thousand and two, and it's it's you know it's it's a great record. I mean, it's probably one of our best, in my opinion. I think it, there's a lot of great songs. Yeah, really Amarillo good. Sky. And yeah. unfortunately, at the time, Dan, there was no. <laughs> There was no way to get it out there for us because we were hoping that radio would play it. <clears throat> At that time, twenty we're talking twenty years ago, radio they weren't sure what to do or what to play or what not to play. Right. And you know when and we were at an independent label, it wasn't a major label at the time. So So virtually yeah, we, we, we couldn't get the, the record or the songs out there. So, you know, virtual that that's that album kind of went unheard. So we're hoping that, you know, during this resurgence of the band that maybe some some people will go back and listen to some of those old records and that one in particular because it really didn't get out there the other ones at least they had a label behind them you know from sacred ground yeah. burning up the road and hurry sundown those three records had a label mca right. behind it but dual tone just wasn't able to push it out there but had we made that record today it'd be a whole different story because of what we're talking about the social media stuff you know so that's where yeah. we i was going to say also that the fans to me have dictated almost a style change in writing songs have to be uh, i think fans have a shorter attention span or a shorter attention tolerance they have to have a hook happen within a certain amount and they have to have something to latch onto whether it be a melodic thing or a lyric thing don't force get to the chorus yeah, I mean, it has to be there. It has to be. We, it's a whole science to it. And I think that a song like Marlboro's and Avon, that's the formula we grew up with, and that's what we're attracted to. Right. Something that holds you for three minutes in one place, and you sit there and listen to it and go, shit, that's great. Well, darn it, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> I realize now, I, I, anyways, and I think the well, same thing. So I think. You know, yeah, and, and the same way with with video. I mean, everything is out there. You, it's a, you've got to get get somebody. In well, a it's a visual. It's a visual world right now. That content you hear that word all the time. You know, yeah. But we're and we're finding, as far as like numbers growing, who where are our fans? We're, we're wondering. TikTok has been a big win for us of all the places. You know, yeah. And and YouTube is our other fastest growing audience because. Uh, people these days, they all all the younger audience for sure. They go to YouTube and search for their music. That's what they're looking for. Yes, and we can see those numbers growing really uh, quickly because that's what's happening. They're looking for that music and also getting some visual videos, whatever, along with it. But you got to stay on top of all of that and try to, you know, we're out here. We we have to promote a certain amount of it, but we're really just trying to get our music out, like we talked about, without just relying on a radio hit because. That's still a very major label, you know, format. There's no way you're going to really crack that code anymore. It's very, you know, locked down because of the way it's set up. You know, yes. it's uh, a lot of money is still being Texas. spent. Our Texas yeah. charting. But but our Texas, we're already having chart success on two stations now, a top 10. And one, you know, both of them are important. And just anybody that's playing our record, we love that. But, uh, you know, top 10 today in Austin on this Coke FM is just a great station, great people, and a wonderful place to have 
your music being played been no pressure or anything to make them do it. They yeah. played it one time and they got a call that was one of the best calls they'd ever had. A guy pulled over and was just almost in tears, 40 year old guy. But he said, ma'am, I don't usually do this sort of thing, but I just had to call to tell you how that song just knocked me out. He goes, it's my life, that song, you know? And so the, the program director said, we never get calls like that. And, <laughs> Just because of that, you know, they fell in love with the song. And, that, you know, that really, that's the way it should work, you know? I mean, yeah. it should move you to some degree, whether, you know, that's the funniest, that's the craziest, that's the coolest, or that's the saddest damn song I've ever heard. It should do one of the above, you know? And so yeah. we, it's yeah. great hearing those kind of stories. And, uh, and I remember those kind of moments, you know, when I heard, like you were saying earlier, when I heard Keith Whitley singing for some of the early on and, there are those moments George Strait kind of hit me like that. Yeah. Uh, it's like, wow, kind of a stop you in your tracks. What is that? Who is it? And how do I get it moment? You know, that's what she hoped for. Yeah, exactly. Hey, well, you mentioned uh, the different platforms now. How, you know, obviously, you know, we didn't have the digital music, you know, when you guys were uh, in the early 90s and stuff. Now, the compensation for artists, what's your guys' view on that in terms of, you know, if you blow, if you have Spotify, you know, it's 10 or $15 a month or whatever. What, what's your views on that in terms of being compensated for, for your work and for your art? It's never going to be enough. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yes. Go ahead, Terry. Think, you know this. Well, I, I think they all got sort of caught. Not sure what to do with all this new stream of income. Oh, boy, what do we do? And, Kind of once again, the songwriter, someone told me early on when music was first created and invented, Edison Bell had the cylinder, you know, you want to go back in time. That's how music started. Well, the guy that had the cylinder was in the room and, uh, you know, the publisher was in the room, but the songwriter was not. So at the end of the day, they went, damn, we got to give the songwriter something. So let's give him a penny of every dollar and that'll make him happy. And we've kind of been clawing our way back ever since the, you know, Edison in the beginning of music, but they are realizing uh, songwriters are underpaid. They are working. There have been a couple uh, bills passed recently. Their uh, things are going to change over the next few years. I know it's a conversation that's not going to go away anytime soon. And we do have people in Nashville fighting for the rights, but I read an interesting article last night in Billboard. Songwriters are banding together now. They're doing a lot more performing. You know, it's become a really popular thing for corporate right. parties in Nashville. But these songwriters are having to find some other streams of income. Unless you have a big radio single, there just isn't a lot of money left anymore. Uh, the streaming isn't great. Uh, albums aren't selling. It's all downloading. And right. there's money there, but not a lot, you know. So... A young guy starting out, boy, it, it's it's a much tougher time to make it We're, and make a living out of it, for sure. I think those laws and things are going to continue to change just because we have a much louder voice than we used to. NSAI is a big part of that. You know, and then all the BMI, ASCAP, and CSAC, everybody else is always kind of working on our behalf to try to get these numbers a little more favorable for us. And that is changing a little bit over this next five years there's a little bit of a bump coming but it's just always been like that really you know but there was so much money being made back in the old days yeah everybody didn't holler quite as loud now it's tightened yeah. way down yeah and you realize who's the haves and the have-nots are pretty obvious right now you know 
And yeah. we, we've gone back to, you know, with that being said, with little, the songwriting money being very small, it's, this is more about, and for us, it's about number one, playing the music together. That's, that's why we came together again and really kind of what, what we, what we still like and look forward to. Yeah. Right. But, but, you know, it's gotten so expensive to travel that we, you know, we're trying to avoid having to get a bus, you know, right. very expensive and drivers. So we're, we're traveling around, you know, driving ourselves from this show to that show, but it's fun. You know, we're having fun doing it. We had fun on yeah. buses too, but it, you know, in today's world, it, with the, the fuel prices and all that stuff, now we're, we're just hoping that the song catches on enough that we can go out there and play some great dates. We have some great dates coming up. Like Terry mentioned, I think, uh, I don't know if you mentioned on the podcast here or before, but we're going to be playing a Predators a game in Nashville, I believe. And yeah, uh, yeah. We're doing a, the Key Western Fest in Key West with a bunch of 90s acts in February. And we got a yeah, the, the Opry in December. And, and yeah. the Opry on December 30th. Yeah. Yeah. Now there's your Marlboros and Avon crowd yeah, right there. Yeah, that's there, there you go. There's your crowd for that. Song. That might go over well that night, I'm thinking. Yeah, right? I think, oh, they'll relate. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, the other thing we got to talk about, too, is is uh, I remember, I can't remember if it, if I had CDs of your guys' stuff back then or if I still had cassettes. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, yeah, well, both, both were still happening. Probably both. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about your guys' hair back then. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I had the same thing going on, you know, like Terry's was feathered back, big old uh, <laughs> mullet in the back. And, and Ray, your hair was super long. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Was, was, uh, well, how come you cut your hair all off? <laughs> <laughs> you know? uh, Billy I, had a pretty, Billy had a pretty good amount yeah. of lettuce hanging yeah. out back yeah, there. Right. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. The fro, the fro yeah. was, he was, did uh, have a fro I was rocking a fro. Yeah. 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 A, yeah, a mullet fro. That's yeah. really rare. You don't yeah. see a lot of those. <laughs> yeah, that was it. Oh, uh, I, I just, I just remember always, you know, looking at that and seeing Terry there with his big, long, golden locks. <laughs> Go man, that dude's got some great hair. <laughs> I, I look back now, Dan. It wasn't just a mullet; it was a mane. Yeah, it was early. Yeah, woo, yeah. That early, like, can I count on you? We've seen those videos a lot yes. lately because they're all yeah. over socials. But yeah. can I count on you in like Samo Star? Wow, those are shockingly large <laughs> mullets for sure. There's a lot of hairspray going on in yeah. that that particular mullet to get it to look just like that. Oh, that's... I just went to a, a family. Uh, my mother-in-law turned 80 yesterday, and I met oh. a, I met a niece kind of on my, on my wife's side who goes, you were in McBride in the ride. She didn't know. <laughs> I've been married 15 years. She goes, you're handsome. What do your hair? And then she goes, you guys were my jam in the 90s. You were my jam. I couldn't believe it. It was like she was like all, like oh. I had duped her somehow, you know? Pretty funny. That's, that's funny. Oh, man. Hey, you know, you mentioned like, you know, those your those other hits from the 90s, like 30, 30 years ago? Right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, us being, you know, close to all the same age, uh, that 30 years it seems like it was yesterday to me. Yeah, and, man. And, yeah. and when you guys get back together and play, does it does it just seem like it was just yesterday when you guys were starting? 
Oh, man. Yeah, it came together really quickly when we started playing. It was just like the ride and the bike that you've always hear about it. It really was. And then the stories came right back. The, you know, going down the road in the bus, all of that's still oh, there. Yeah. We still remember all of that and what happened in the crowds. And it does. It's flown by three decades. It's just shocking, you know, how quickly that passed. But somebody was asking me, like, how's it going out there? I said, well, man, we got... <laughs> Crowds singing along to sixty-year-old guys, you know, so it's pretty pretty cool out there. You know, we're we're having a lot of fun with it. I think the crowd picks up on that, you know, and we sound good. We're everybody in the band was always a strong player, and together, you know, we we know our strengths, and so we've arranged each song sort of accordingly, you know, so right. we can get the biggest bang out of each tune, and uh, and it's been fun. At the end of the night, we're we're pretty serious about what we do still, and. Sounding good is important to us. Singing, playing, it's all a big part of what we want to do moving forward. And we, we work hard at it. And, and I think it's finally coming together. you got to play as a band, right. you know, to really be a band. We were doing a lot of weekends and then off for three or four weeks. You know, it's hard doing that. The more we're starting to play now, the better we're coming together. Very reminiscent of those 90s where we could read each other. We did so much television, acoustic things back then. But our harmony, we knew every inflection. We could, we would stop and start on a dime. You know, we yeah. we played so many shows together that we could read each other's minds at that point, and certainly knew exactly how the vocal arrangement was going to go and turn out. But we're starting to feel those moments again. That's a good feeling, you know. All yeah. these years later, I, I think with the ingredients that Terry's talking about, we we've definitely this time around again. We're really conscious of that, not only in the recording, but we've got we got a great steel player, Gary Morse, who's out with us, and he who you, who used to be out with us. Oh well, yeah, he, <laughs> yeah, he, who he was, was there like in, in the beginning? He was in the band in the nineties, yeah, yeah. And I think we're we're really consciously trying to stay a four piece band this time as right. much as we can. We add there's a little bit of keyboard pads that happen a little bit here and there, but no, mainly it's 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 three part harmonies. And it's a four-piece band, and yeah. Ray and Gary have to fill. It's 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 a lot to fill up to make it sound full, yeah. and they work all of that yeah. out. All of those parts, a lot of parts. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's cool. Now, so you guys, so Marlboro's and Avon was released uh, the beginning of no November, right? Right. Uh, yeah, released. Yeah, yeah. A, a, digi a digital release, and digital. then it ships, and then we're just shipping it to radio in Texas. Okay. Um, It'll be a brand new release, uh, you know, coming up for them. And um, we have some people that are just playing it because they know it's out. And so right. it's all good. But, yeah, it's it's a new song. Then we'll come with another single, uh, like around February. We have a plan set up for another cool song that we're really proud of on the record that also gets a great response live. It's just, you know, it's a it's a subject matter that's powerful and it's it's a strong song. And we feel good sounds good when we do it live it really fits us those kind of songs are important you know um, every time you play them that's the thing about those hits they just fit us you know we didn't have to try to be something we weren't and still don't have to try and you know sing some range that isn't comfortable for us i mean we we do a lot of different songs during our set whether right. it's you know no more crying like you were saying from the eight seconds we do have a lot of rock and live things that people don't realize that haven't ever seen us we have a we were known for those big ballads in the 90s, but our set consists of a lot of up-tempo material that we 
we felt like we always needed to have on the record and then it sure helps out live you know yeah no doubt so and you so you, you guys do have a, a, a ep coming out after the first of the year right right yeah yes it'll follow that second single at some point the ep will come shortly after that i have a feeling and then uh, grand old operates december 30th right mm-hmm. yeah yeah and the predators game i think that's january 11th and that- then we're uh going to do some things with the uh, country music hall of fame which those people are wonderful they they do a lot of uh, cool performances that you might not even know about because they have two really nice theaters um they do a lot of songwriter performance uh uh, shows there but they also have something they're interested in us doing as uh, mcbride and the ride sort of a little performance q a type thing they love that sort of thing where they bring in uh, a crowd whoever's touring nashville that week you know yeah. And, and whoever else wants to come as well. But uh, things like that during the first of the year when touring is just about to start, you know, February for us, our first tour date down in Key West. That's a great 90s festival. We're really looking forward to that. It's called the Key uh, Western Fest. Uh, oh. Four days of just solid 90s acts. Really yeah. cool. And we're, we're thrilled to be part of that kind of performance. And then from there, it's just a mixed bag of fairs, festivals, and casinos after yeah. that. But uh, we're looking forward to all of it. Yeah, very cool. <laughs> hey, well, we're getting close to the end of our time here, but uh, I always ask everybody three questions. So uh, you, uh, you can all answer it individually if you want, <laughs> or you or you can have one, however you want to do it. But I'm just gonna I'm gonna okay. ask it. So, favorite uh, brand of cowboy hats? I mean, my, I had a resist all when I was just a kid. We all had matching silver bellies, you know. That was mm-hmm. in high school, so I'd I'd have to go with that. Then my grandfather always had a resist all, you know. I, I still have it here. Matter of fact, in this house, my grandfather's uh, a cowboy hat from back in the day. But uh, yeah, I always tried to let you look much better than I do in a hat. Man. <laughs> I, I tried like heck. I wanted to be cool. The more I wanted to be the Marlboro man, you know. I look more like Bo Duke or something. I, I don't know what the hell is going on there. It was it was not right. And I don't want mine to look like that. <laughs> ah, that's kind of what I think I look like. <laughs> oh, or that. There's another one. There you go. That's the other that's, one. That, we had fun with that tiny little hat, Dan, as you can tell. That was on the ranch the other day for that ranch party. Oh, okay. Got you. I've had all kinds of different hats, but this particular hat I've been wearing for, I don't know, eight nine years i cannot find one that's more comfortable but i you know where i got this dan in prescott i got this hat in prescott i've never been able to find another one it's not like a resistol resistol or a, is it a, is it an atwood it's um you know what i've worn the dang name off of it but uh, <laughs> it's a palm leaf hat but it's the most comfortable hat i've ever had and i've uh, hats my whole life and i can't raise always like worn a hat <laughs> ray looks good in a hat for sure He's always worn one. I, 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 no, I, I haven't ever done it. I have a straw hat that I mow my grass in. That's about <laughs> it. But it's a big, it's a big wide brim hat, kind of like yeah. Ray has, yeah. you know. So well, well, now I know you guys. Uh, one of the the keys to your your talent is it sounds like yard work because Terry was doing yard work before. <laughs> you're mowing lawns, so oh yeah. <laughs> I do a yes. lot. I do a lot of yard work, but but you know we're inside a lot, so I don't mind it. I like 
having a little project to get outside. Sometimes it turns into the hot summer dry. Right. I, I would take care of this little house, the studio. I take care of another place and then my my house. And sometimes it's a little more than you really want to do, you know. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, guys, I like it to guys, look good, but these guys mow lawns and I run restaurants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Which I'm going to be coming to soon. We're going to come over there and uh, and uh, hopefully you'll be there when we come there. I'll have to I'll have to hit you up. And... You know how to get a hold of me. I'm not hard to find. Yeah, yeah. Well, you'll have a great time. You know, over there they've got cool entertainment. Every yes. night they're open. They have something That's different, or the cool house place. band, or yeah, very cool. Yeah, it's a great it's a great spot. Don't let them talk you into tequila. Don't let <laughs> them do that. <laughs> never, yeah. never a good outcome. Yeah, we'll have, we'll have to Uber it for sure. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> smart, yeah. smart man. Couple more questions. Boot brand. Any got a favorite brand of boots? Hmm, well, I, I'm a I'm a boot guy forever. I mean, I, I if I could only have my Larry Mahan patchwork boots, damn it, from high school. <laughs> I, I keep I keep everything, Dan, and how I let those slip away, I have no idea. I was. I took my first jet airplane, 1977, to Nashville. My dad was part of fanfare that year, Dan. I was a senior in high school, and I had those Larry Mayhans on. And right across from me on the plane was Dennis Weaver. Oh, my gosh. McLeod. <laughs> McLeod, yep. Oh, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I was man. just going, oh, my God. First jet airplane. I'm on, <laughs> I'm on here with McLeod. You know, I can, Yeah reach out and touch him man and he kept looking at me and he leaned over and he goes man those are cool boots and i said oh man thank you you know <laughs> oh my god Dennis weaver's talking to me i'm engaged in a conversation <laughs> with Dennis weaver but uh i love boots and since uh, my high school days i went through so many of those cool wingtips and yeah, but then I I got hip to some cool bootmakers in Texas and an older gentleman by the name of Jack Reed, mm -hmm. who was an apprentice for a, an older gentleman I grew up with, Ray Jones, who made one of the toughest boots in Texas, and uh, I became befriended Ray Jones when I was just a child, and he made me a belt with my name on the back. I still have it here at this house. It's, I was about five six years old. He cut off a, a switch of a mesquite tree, and I'd whip the cows and get them up in the chute to the trailer. <laughs> and then he he made me that belt one summer for helping him a little bit. But uh, Jack Reed was an amazing boot maker and worked at Lucchese when he was a young guy. And uh, I have several of those rough outs, pigskin, you know. Yeah, yeah. And some more ornate, cool boots. And I've really gone down that trail with those custom handmade Texas boots, but I have some Lucchese, love those Tony Llamas forever. I can't tell you how many pairs of those. Then I, I bought some cheap boots in Austin. I think they're called Champions. They made them in El Paso. They had spider web tops, every <laughs> every pair. I love that. I can get those boots real cheap and they were cool looking pointed toe, but I love boots. Yeah. How about cowboy movies or westerns? You got a favorite western? Mm, wow. Uh, one of my favorites just just because of the nostalgia and i was a huge glenn campbell fan it wasn't the the best movie but it's oh, all love that movie watch that movie which, which i didn't hear the the name of which one true grit oh yeah true grit's a great movie yeah love glenn campbell too love i got to see him in tahoe one time it was awesome 
Talented guy. Sort of a modern day cowboy movie. I mean, it's not modern by any, you know, means of the imagination now, but I mean, at the time it was. It's not an old throwback cowboy movie, but I love that movie, Hood. Oh, yeah. uh, Paul Manuma. Yeah, it's just, it's like a real cowboy dream. It reminds me so much of people I grew up with. Yeah. Of course, it's a Larry McMurtry story, which those always get me, you know, whether it's Last Picture Show or whatever, those suck me in because it's got that Texas thing that I grew up. But I love that movie. It's just so real. It's all about modern day sort of cowboys and the struggles of ranching, to say the least, you know, but it's it's a lot more than that. It's the struggles within the family. But but I, I love classic heck anything, you know, I mean, I'm still a Western kind of guy I love that. I know somebody was talking about Gene Watson we just played a show with him and that's all he that's all he watches during the day right old yeah. I'll still see a bonanza and have to stop for a minute it's like dang right. it, you know, it yeah. reminds me of my grandparents so much you know and the rifleman I love oh, that yeah. show hey, you know, Chuck Connors yeah, yeah. exactly growing, yep. growing up a Saturday morning those would come on sometimes and oh my gosh I I love those so much yeah. one of my favorites Tombstone was pretty good too. Oh, oh yeah, it's yeah. great. You movie. guys remember that? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, great movie. Yeah. I was thinking movie. the I was thinking the Rifleman, Rawhide. Oh, Rawhide was good. Yeah. Gunsmoke oh, was just like yeah, a mainstay at our house. So for a modern day cowboy movie, that eight seconds movie is so touching. Yeah. I, I, I watched it recently with my youngest daughter. She had never seen it, and I was surprised at how it kept my interest, you know, yeah. it was an interesting story. Well done. Our little segment, we shot all day with Luke Perry and Steve Baldwin, Stephen Baldwin that day. Tough Hedeman was on the set all yeah. day. Yeah. Lane's Lane's wife was there as a consultant and uh, it was a great moment. It was fun. It was a, like a 16 hour shoot for our little tiny snippet that they kept of us. But what a fun thing to be involved in. That's become like cowboy cult movie. Now oh. all those kids they all know that movie. Absolutely, without a doubt. Well, hey guys, unfortunately we got to come to an end here, but uh, <laughs> I, 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 I think I did a pretty good job of, of not like, uh, you know, becoming too starstruck because I'm still in <laughs> awe that I that I even have you guys on the podcast and you know that we got to spend oh, this man. last hour. That's sweet. So, Thank you. You know, um, I mean, I, I, like I said, I can think back so vividly in my Camaro with your, and I, I can't remember if it's a, if it was a cassette or a CD, but I just look into yep. your guys' album covers and listen to your music. And it's truly an honor to have you guys on. I really appreciate your guys' time. And uh, Ray, I'll be seeing you in, uh, in Scottsdale. Thanks, not, not, Thanks, yeah. Man. Yeah. So uh, very nice meeting you guys. So uh, do you come to Texas? You come to Nashville at all? You know what? My wife wants to buy some property there. So, oh my god! Okay, she has several friends that live there, and and I have several friends too, and people that I've had on the podcast that are there. So, yeah, cool. we we're we've been talking about coming back there, and she wants to come back there and look at some property. So, okay, cool. Yeah, I'd love to see All you guys right. if, if if we come back there. So, you bet. Let me know when you you're coming. To, let me know when you're coming to Handlebar J, and I'll look for you, Dan. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Well, hey. Hey right. guys, uh, again, you got the new single out, Marlboros and Avon. Uh, you guys are going to be doing a new little tour. Uh, you're going to be playing the Grand Old Opry, and uh, it's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it is. We're excited. Yeah, it was a pleasure meeting you. Thanks for wanting yeah. to have us on the podcast. It was fun visiting, and uh, let's do it again sometime. No, absolutely. We'll, we definitely will have to do it again to catch up. 
I'll, I'll be there yeah. next time, Dan. Okay. I'll join yeah. you next time. You okay? made it. You made it. Tell, oh, Bryce, tell Bryce I said hi, too, if you talk to him. Oh, we'll do it. Yeah, you okay. bet. Thanks, Dan. All right, guys. Have a great right. day. Bye-bye. 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 Was a teenage kid moving on to high school TV music and driving screens Set the stage for life and dreams in a small town Was dad's arm out the window of that blue mercury marquee Kids settle down, yelling from the front seat. Memories and pictures take me back and live on. I'll never forget the smell of Marlboro's and Platform shoes, Walter Cronkite on in a living room, and the war in Vietnam. CCR and the Rolling Stones fading in and out on that car stereo as we went flying down the road. Was Mercury Marquis Was bomb making us kids settle down Yelling from the front seat Memories and pictures take me back Live on I'll never forget the smell of Marlboro's and Avon Summer since 73 Looking back now I can still see Dad's arm out the window of That blue mercury marquee And mom making us kids settle down Yelling from the front seat Pictures take me back Live on I'll never forget the smell of